You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hey there, this is Mike. This is Tom. And we are Tabletop Genesis, and we are here today to talk to you about the latest song drop from Peter Gabriel, Playing for Time. And we have a wonderful guest today, Adam Tromolo from the Genesis Piano Project. Hey, Adam. Hey, guys. Great hey, to see you. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? We're all doing fine. We're Excellent. We're very happy to have you here for talking about this track. This is also the first podcast we're recording on these tracks after U.S. tour tickets have gone on sale. So, Adam, did you get tickets for the tour yet? I haven't yet, but I definitely will. I just have to figure out. Now my dad's in one state mm. and my uncle mm. and cousin are in one state and I'm in one state and we all tend to do these things together. So okay. we're working out where Maybe all three, but yes, where, where exactly. we'll be going. Yeah. <laughs> got to coordinate these things. And so I know that uh, I got tickets for Madison Square Garden in New York. And Tom? Well, I figured, should my daughters go to college or should I go see Peter Gabriel? Uh, <laughs> I just flipped the coin and I'm going to see Peter Gabriel. So <laughs> That's the right choice. I actually got tickets to Philly on, I believe it's the Saturday night yes, in yeah. September and then the Monday night in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So cool. I'm not sure who I'm going with yet, but I, at least I have some seats in yeah. the in the arena. And I'm sure I'll end up at Madison Square Garden too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. With you guys. Yeah. And we'll definitely, you know, we'll do at least the three of us will do some sort of meetup. And if we know what we're doing, we can put it out to the podcast listeners. If any New York area people are going to shows and want to hang out with the tabletop at some sleazy bar before the show, <laughs> we can certainly work stuff out. But that's neither here nor there right now. Let's talk about playing for time. There's a planet spinning slowly, we call it ours. Any time, any day, any moment that we bring to life will never fade away. Just 
sorting it out So everything I care about Is held in here All of those I love inside Everybody's playing for time So I've remembered this track since I heard it live on his So Reunion tour. I guess that was 2013 or 14. Sure. Um, and it was kind of in his middle acoustic set. He played like Washing of the Water and a few other mellow songs. And then he just said, I want to do this unfinished song that doesn't have lyrics yet. And the audience was like a little confused. Like, wow, you have so many great songs. It's obviously going to replace something in the set that someone would have wanted to hear. And as soon as he started playing it, I instantly knew why he wanted to. Like, I know that feeling of when you're writing something and you know you're onto something really special and you're so excited about it that you just want to play the demo for everybody. Right. And I think that's probably how Peter felt at that time when, when the music part was finished and he just didn't have words yet. And when I first heard it, I thought this will be one of his masterpieces. Like for me, this will be a, a top 10 Peter Gabriel song. I don't care what the words end up being. It, it already, I already know it'll be that for me. And so I actually had a video of it on my phone that I was watching over and over just because I loved the song so much. And then my phone kind of crashed or died. I don't remember what happened, but I lost <laughs> everything on the phone and had to get a new one. So I lost that video. And I was just kind of always thinking when, when he announced this new album, like, oh, I hope that song will be on there. And then he released it a few days ago and I was thrilled. Did you know, like, obviously it has a different title. I think when he was workshopping it, as you want to call it, workshopping it in front of 20,000 people, <laughs> it went by different names. I think it had Obut. Obut. Yeah. And then Daddy Long Legs was, I think, the one that was released on Back to Front, the DVD, and, and there might have been, a, yeah, I think that was it. Did you know, obviously, Playing for Time is a completely different title and kind of fits the song in the lyrics more than, you know, the working title would. Did So when you saw that track drop, you didn't know it was that track until you until you press play. And what was, what was your reaction when you hit play and was like, holy shit? cow that's that's the track i love so much yeah i mean that's basically what happened i didn't the song title didn't mean anything to me i hit play and he had added this little piano intro which i really loved so i was already intrigued by the song but as soon as he sang the first phrase i i knew it was the tune and i was really really <laughs> pleasantly surprised it was a total gift yeah that was the same for me like i i recognized it immediately when the piano melody came in and the vocal melody came in and I liked the the demo version of it but I wasn't sure how it would develop into it and and I liked that this kept that kind of mellow vibe for the first you know three quarters of the song but then just when I thought it was wrapping up at least this mix of it kicks into that kind of heavier part at the end that when I was ready for the song to end and then it didn't, 
I was like, oh, this is great. This is a lift to this song that it really kind of needed. So it's not, I don't want to sound dismissive, but it's not just about it. It's right. something that, you know, has some power to it and some real dynamics to it, which I, which I really enjoy. This was a track that I don't know what your feelings were, Adam, on the first two songs, Panopticom, The Court. Uh, I think we, we just had some offline discussions about how it was good, but, you know, it wasn't kind of blowing us away, but it was, you know, it was good for Peter. And on the podcast, I think both Mike and I were talking about what our wish, what our wish list for the third track, you know, we had the first two had a certain kind of sound to them. They were both kind of similar in sound and dynamic. And we're like, if we had our wish for a third track, I wish it could be like a washing of the water or uh, uh, something that lets his voice shine a little bit more. And I don't think we could have been given our perfect wish more than this song. <laughs> I mean, it just, I, I could get Misty talking about it, but it is such a good song. I, I, I'm like blown away still. And every time I hear it, I'm like, it just takes you through this oral AUR journey of like the slow piano. And it's just, it goes from so many different levels. It's, it's I, I love it. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's how I felt, too, after the first two songs. The first two songs really do sound to me like they fit in the world of Up, uh, of his right. last album, which I like a lot, but there wasn't anything, like, super grabbing me yet. And then this one obviously did for the same reasons. And it's interesting, Mike, what you said about the end section and it needing that lift, because I thought that was such an interesting choice for him to add that when it wasn't there in the live version. So right. it was a clear, like unexpected turn maybe for the listeners who who knew the song and it was kind of something new for them but also it's one of those things where i didn't feel like it was needed at all because i think the the songwriting of the main parts is so strong that he could have left me with exactly the same music that that you know was there in the demo and the obut version and i would have been completely i would have thought the song works perfectly but with that said if you're going to do something like he did at the end You'd better do it really <laughs> fucking right. Yes, um, right. Pardon yes. my language. And he totally did. Yeah, I, that ending is so killer. The orchestration's amazing. He changes the harmony in the first part of the song. He's using a lot of these. I'll go a tiny bit musically technical. Do it. And that, do that it. That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, um, that's why we pay you. Right. Yes. <laughs> Paying me in hugs and uh, free drink. Of course. But uh, there's there's a kind of a more old timey songwriter thing that people used to do that they don't do as much anymore called like secondary dominance and secondary diminished chords. It's that kind of Randy Newman or Paul McCartney or Burt Bacharach kind of sound where you have these harmonies that feel like they're, they're slipping in and out of keys in this very slick way. And Peter Gabriel doesn't do that too, too much, but when he does, it's always so well done and so beautifully put together. And when you have a melody on top of those kind of, angular harmonies that isn't very angular that kind of stays bluesy the whole time that's kind of like a, a sweet sauce that really works but it's hard to pull off a song like blackbird does that really really well um, or bridge over troubled water and so i think that if you pull that off you're golden and the song could just be piano and vocals with no words and it's like a masterpiece already and then what he does in the end section is he goes into just very straight like rock and roll types of chords and so that lift is also like a change in character and it has a little bit less of the 
nuance, but a lot more power. And it's like a perfect coda to that song. Right. And because you haven't heard that in the song before, it's that kind of a shock to it and it kind of wakes you up a little bit. Yes. You know, that's that's what I really liked about it. And had the song ended without that, like I said, I, I would have been totally happy with the song because something that when Tom and I were talking about it on the last podcast, like I think we were both hoping for something a little bit more personal than the first two songs. The mm. first two songs, I both I really liked the songs, but they were more of Peter's issues type of songs, which are great. And I like those type of songs, but I wanted something either a little bit more kind of, you know, heartfelt or a little bit more just up and happy. And I wouldn't call this necessarily a happy song, but it's, it's something that definitely hits that personal spot in a fantastic way. Yeah. My only thing that I might change about this, because again, we have to talk about, you know, the things we, we liked in that is that this ends very much like Peter's ballady type of things where it's kind of the slow at the beginning has the hard hitting part and then kind of ends with the kind of just him and the piano again. And I might've done a hard stop at some point in that harder section at the end, just to have it end and not kind of be a little bit different from a, you know, from a washing of the water, from a family snapshot. Sure. It's again, that's a, that's a tiny criticism, but it's more just, and who knows, maybe the different mix or maybe the album mix will have something like that in it. But if it does or doesn't, I still really like the song. It's just that, you know, I was like, oh, I might change that if I could. I thought about that. I, I did he see like a, a structural comparison to, to washing of the water. But then on the last episode, when I was saying I want something like washing the water, I you got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was, and, and as I said, like the, the lyrical meat of it is just about kind of like, I feel like time passing, mm -hmm. how memories are made and just a line, which always this part, you know, I really love this part where he goes, there goes the sun back from where it came. So in other words, it's going around, we're going around the sun, like a year is passing. The young move to the center, the mom and dad, the frame. Mm -hmm. So in other words, where like, I just picture it like myself and, and my wife, Kathy, it's like, you know, we're young. We're in the middle of the picture. It's, it's our lives. Now that we have kids, we're kind of like going out to the frame and our kids are now front and center in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that cycle continues throughout time. And uh, I just really love that. That lyric really hit with me. Yeah. Yeah, it's very visceral lyric. There's so much good imagery here. As the youngest one of the group here, <laughs> I also, I felt like this song needed to happen for him at this stage in his career. Like, hmm. I really think that this is like a, a reflection on his life and about time and, and aging. So I'm wondering how this song will hit me in different ways, you know, in different stages of my life. I totally agree with you, Tom. Like that that one lyric, that one kind of stanza there was probably my favorite as well. And I just love the the hook of playing for time because it, it's so earnest in the song, but it's such a cheeky kind of title because, you know, playing for time, it's like a um, in, in a uh, basketball game and you're running out the clock or he says, mm -hmm. you know, the cards are on the table, the hands are down. Like you're you, trying you know, to stretch just, out the time you have is how I think of it too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is. You, you're right. It's very personal. And I think this album will probably be a mix of the personal and the political, which I, I yeah. think Peter does both of those so well. 
and I'm kind of grateful for for both of those elements of his songwriting. Did you notice at all, Adam? And it took me a while. I had to Google it. I knew the tune in my head. The very first opening chords. Did that ring a bell to you as Chopin? You know, it's funny. My wife was like, did he quote something here? Because uh, we listened <laughs> to it together. And it's almost the, um, I should have double checked this. I might lose my music nerd uh, <laughs> bona fides here. But I think it's the the Hall of the Mountain King. No, it's not. Da, 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 Whatever that piece is. That was, I actually had to Google that. I didn't know it either. I knew that song. I mean, song. I knew that melody, but I had to look it up. And I knew it was like a dark title. So I'm Googling like death songs, death classical, <laughs> <laughs> anything I could find. But it is Chopin's Funeral March or Death March. Ah, uh, okay. It's a very. It's like the tune. It's about a nine-minute piece, but of course, that's the one everyone goes da 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 da. Right. Which, if if he is, I mean, that's it. Kind of fits the theme of the song about how life and yeah, death and and what what remains, memories. You know, we have to face it eventually, and what will be left behind. And a sly bit of humor too. You know, that's because that that melody is often used in a jokey way in certain things so it's right. i mean as much as it is also dreary and you know you know it evokes death it is a joke also when that's played in different settings so. right well, yeah. I, I played it backwards and i hear peter say <laughs> we're all gonna die yeah <laughs> some of you are going to die exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh. it all comes around so. yes but that's i i always you know think about i I have another uh, hobby outside of the Genesis and music world is doing genealogy for my family and some friends here and there. And, you know, I always kind of joke that, you know, so far in my research, nobody's been immortal. So everybody <laughs> gets to the end at some point. And so it does give you a certain perspective when you're both, you know, looking at all these start and end dates for people and going to cemeteries and doing all these type of things where you're like, oh, yeah, this this is something that we all, whether we think about it or not, it's all in our future somewhere. And totally. this lyric kind of really hit me in that way where it's like, oh, I like I think about this stuff all the time and not not just because, you know, I'm in my early 50s at this point. But it's like, yeah, this is this is the reality. And he's now in his early 70s and, you know, he's probably thinking about these things about mortality much more than he was even 10 or 20 years ago, yeah. you know, it's, it's something that it's a very adult song and I really liked that about it. Yeah. I, I will say about that intro too, that it's not an exact quote of the right. uh, funeral right. March. It's, it's almost like a reference to it, which I think is a way for him to have the cheeky, you know, kind of humorous wink, but also let you know that it's a, it's an earnest song. Right. If it was a direct quote, it would almost be too ham fisted that way. Like, I think it, so it, too. and it wouldn't even necessarily be funny then. It would, it were clever, you know. And he doesn't want to get sued, of course. Yeah. You know, the, the Chopin estate. estate is going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, coming for him with guns loaded, I'm sure. Oh, they're so, bastards, exactly. Yeah. In the in the full moon video, Peter said that they they brought in the the pianist who's name I should have at my fingertips and I don't, you know, because he just had kind of a different feel than, than Peter's piano playing. Is that something that Adam, do you think if you didn't know that it was a different pianist, 
would you kind of think, oh, this isn't Peter playing or is it different enough that you can tell that it's maybe somebody, you know, even in, in Gabriel's words, maybe a bit more skilled than he is? I did think that it wasn't Peter. I thought it was probably someone attached to the orchestra, but I think maybe now that it wasn't and he brought in a like a studio pianist that he knows or likes. I'm not sure about that either. He, he I read said the it guy's was name, the but... person who played with the New Blood Orchestra when they did live gigs. So okay. he would play piano with that. I don't know if he ever had him in the studio before or if he's maybe even elsewhere on the album too. Right. I could tell because there was... I think it was probably a little bit of improvisation okay. um, happening, not like, you know, jazz solo improvisation, <laughs> but in terms of the way he's deciding to fill around Peter Gabriel's vocal. And he probably knew the orchestrations well enough to know when to um, back out or when to get out of the way of certain instruments. I noticed that the piano is always playing in a range of the instrument that's kind of steering clear of the range of whatever is happening in the orchestration. And he's using very kind of sophisticated chord voicings that feel like very pianistically trained. I think when Peter plays solo by himself, he's mm-hmm. he's become like a really gorgeous piano player and I love his piano playing. He's got a nice touch and he also has some beautiful, rich voicings. But knowing how to accompany with an orchestra or accompany a vocal is like a whole other ball game that I would imagine Peter isn't as pianistically versed in right so i did assume that it was someone different okay yeah and that's the type of thing where peter has all artists have ego but obviously he has no ego in the in this in the face of oh somebody might do this better than i can do it so let me bring in the better person to serve totally. the music so and i'm sure that when they play it live he'll probably play it himself anyway so you know that's where a lot of people are going to be hearing this not necessarily for the first time but for times that will sear into their memories a bit, you know, and then they'll have this more, I'll say more perfect version that's going to be in their record collection or in their online streaming collection. However, we want to define that nowadays. Yeah. I think it's going to be great to have that concert moment. I think we we also talked about how we envisioned the first two songs. I don't know if we did it with the court mostly, but we did with Panopticon. Like, is there going to be 18,000 people shouting Panopticon? <laughs> But this is a nice track where it'll, I assume, probably be placed in the set to kind of give a break from the heavier, faster stuff. I hope people don't use it as a bathroom song because, you know, if if you're a casual fan and you just know so and you're like, oh, let's go see Peter Gabriel, you might not know he's putting out this great stuff, which for me, I like this track better than anything on Up. So we're, we're harking back to Secret World where I can find something that I've liked as much as this track. Save for maybe Sky Blue. I mm. love Sky Blue. But this playing for time, as I think Adam mentioned, it's it's easily one of your top tens. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I'm not sure if I would rank it quite that high yet, but I think that over time it will certainly be in that top tier of songs. I just heard Wallflower the other day and kind of was reminded mm. how much I love that track. And this, you know, again, very different feel to it, but it's it's a Gabriel ballad in his own Gabriel way. I'm a sucker for those songs. That's why we're here. So, you know, it's something that touches us in different ways. Yeah, me too, about the about the ballads. This reminded me of Wallflower, not that it sounds anything like it, but I think the last time I spoke to you guys about Peter Gabriel, I talked about how I saw the the songwriting in different kind of categories or the song production as a whole in different categories mm-hmm. where there was this, some of the songs were defined kind of by the sound design and the interesting production choices and the interesting 
lyrical story content. Some of it was just kind of song craftsmanship and um, some of it was just kind of pop brilliance. Mm -hmm. And I thought Peter had, you know, a lot of songs in all three of those categories, but I think the song craftsman side of it is always kind of like the gem on each album. There's generally just one. And so he has fewer of these all together, but each one, you know, like here comes the flood. And uh, I guess from up, it would have been the drop, sure, um, mm. which kind of maybe fell by the wayside a little bit. Washing of the water, uh, father and son from Ovo. Mm. Right. And th- this like falls squarely in that category for me. And I think it always showcases his, his like the bluesy side of his singing, which we know he always loved. Even as a kid, he loved Otis Redding and that kind of genre of music. And whenever he brings out this other side of his of his um, musicianship I, I always think it it works really well and there was about at that four minute mark kind of he does the kind of classic gabriel vocalizations without <laughs> yeah. words which and again i'm like this shouldn't kill me but it does and it's yeah. just like it's something that you know he knows when to when to have a great lyric and when just to kind of emote and that worked for me in this track. So, all right, maybe this is a top 10 song. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm talking myself into it. It's playing for time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah. Oh, thank you. Kind of had one kind of sound for the first two. Mm-hmm. Obviously a departure for this third release. Uh, I'm looking forward to the April full, full moon to see yeah. what that brings. And mm-hmm. we still don't have an official album release date. For no, this no. Yet. So, yet. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious as to what this package is going to be. And, you know, whether it will include, you know, all these alternate mixes or whether there'll be a surround mix with it. I know people are into vinyl. I'm not personally, but I, I'm sure there'll be a vinyl version of this around somewhere. So there'll be plenty of ways for us to spend even more money on these, <laughs> uh, on these moments. And it may be actually the, the cheapest end of things that we're spending the money on. And we'll be back in, in April for the next release we will so so adam any promo stuff that you would like to talk about anything on the horizon that the 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 millions of tabletop genesis fans can look forward to out there uh yeah a a few things i have some some genesis piano project concerts in canada this may Hmm. i will be putting those up on my website if anyone wants to check on my website it's adamcromolo.com And I might be doing some more shows in the fall uh, in Europe. That's still to be determined. Mm -hmm. But I will have a very fun Genesis Piano Project announcement about something happening next year. That's a a fun departure for me. But that'll be that'll be later. So I can't say anything about that yet. Okay, it's it's always good to tease the audience. So, (laughs) and uh, your website's adamcromelo.com, as you said. What's your Twitter handle? At Adam Cromelo. Excellent. Okay, good. You snagged that before all the other Adam Cromelos got it. (laughs) That's true, and there are tons of them. Excellent. So, well, I think that's it for this episode. We like to keep these tracks, uh, these track discussions tight and concise compared to us when we ramble on, but we are rambling on for half an hour about the tracks. So maybe we're not that as concise as we think, but either way, this is Mike. This is Tom. This is Adam. And we are Tabletop Genesis and we'll be back next time. Talk to y'all later.
Sorting it out So everything I care about Is held in here All of those I love Inside Still playing for time. 